0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success.
1: And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Tuesday, September 8th, 2020 edition. Of Invest Talk, and we have moved past the Labor Day holiday. And what that means is summer is coming to a close, and we are only three and a half weeks away from the fourth quarter. And we know that this year has been a series of unprecedented events, and it's almost hard to comprehend what has happened over the past eight plus months. And we're heading into an election where there will probably be more unprecedented events as well. Now, the COVID crisis has created extremely high levels of unemployment. We have rolling, we have wildfires here in California, social unrest, riots, etc., And we know that you are looking for strategies to navigate these difficult times, and I'm getting a lot of calls in relation to, you know, what's going to happen with inflation, and I think people are kind of waking up to the the money printing that, you know, has been happening for a decade plus, but it's intensified, right? And I know a lot of people are confused, and understandably, you know, we're going into – we're in a new decade You know, I've talked before about the fourth turning and how this is. This decade is going to be very, very different than the last decade. And you've seen that already. So our job is to help you prepare for the continuing volatility and learn how to compensate. And, you know, today in the markets, we had a pretty substantial down day. Over almost 3% on uh, the major uh, indexes. And all those new Robinhood traders, college students, high school students, geez, I've heard even uh, middle school students are trading uh, via Robinhood. And suddenly, they've all become investors. That's what I titled my video on YouTube uh, on Friday. So if you want to go check that out, go search Invest Talk. Uh, I kind of give a breakdown of uh, my analysis for the market for the week and. You know, a lot of investors, when they're chasing returns and chasing names, uh, sh- they-, they think they're investors, excuse me. And in reality, they're just traders. They're speculators. But when they see losses, suddenly they become investors. Oh, it's just a good investment, right? And that's kind of, uh, I-, I think, the, what-, what all these traders are looking at right now is, what do I do? Losses? Red? Doesn't make sense. So I encourage everyone to go look at that video and uh, just give us, gives you a sense of what I was expecting for the market after last week. Now I'm Justin Klein and today in this program and podcast, my job is to give you unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions and help you develop strategies to deal with this level of volatility that you're seeing. So I encourage you to give us a call, 888 chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight Now, let's get right to our first caller. Let's go to Chase in Georgia looking at GameStop.
0: Uh, Hello. So I've been looking into investing in GameStop given that the new consoles are coming out in the holiday season. And after Mm -hmm. doing some research, I've seen their stock nearly double in the past month. And with their earnings report coming out tomorrow, I wanted to know if you thought it would be a good idea for the short-term investment, given the fact that three out of their past four quarters have uh, they been
1: losing money in their earnings reports Yeah I mean I'm sure uh, certainly the the market for video games is strong as more and more people are staying at home uh, just gaming in general is pretty popular and uh, GameStop is a deep value play right because the the mantra or at least the, the story behind the demise of GameStop has always been well gaming is going to turn into a streaming play right, where you don't need to go buy physical games, you download it, uh, and that's certainly becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, however, you still need to buy the console, so maybe GameStop is a place for that. Uh, but I still see this as one of those deep value plays that you really have to believe they can squeeze more juice out of the, of the physical game market. Uh, and that's the big question. Are you a big gamer, Chase?
0: I am. I um, Well, I'm really big in sports games, so um, mm-hmm. unfortunately I had the uh, privilege of watching this GameStop stock double in the past month as I looked at it a month ago and thinking about mm-hmm. it, and then I see it now, and I'm like, I really wanted to know if this was something that I should look into, especially given the jumps that we saw when the PS2 and the PS3 came out. In the previous uh, cycles and how they impacted GameStop stock at that time.
1: Yeah, well, once again, that is you're you're comparing to me apples and oranges. You're in a very different gaming market, like I said, where uh, most gamers are. And and correct me if I'm wrong. You're you're deeper into gaming than I am, probably. Uh, But you know, you're downloading the games more often than you are buying them at a store. Correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, what's GameStop's uh, business model if physical games are no longer a thing and you just download, download them uh, via the internet and you know you're playing streaming online, uh, et cetera? So, yeah, you could buy uh, the the consoles there. However, you can buy the consoles at Target or Walmart or other areas or other stores as well. So, uh, I, I still think GameStop has some some runway here. Uh, but, and it's, it's undervalued compared to the sales, but their sales have not turned into profits. And that's my issue here is that, uh, that that's why I wouldn't play into it because I just don't see the long-term viability of their business. Thanks for the call. You're listening to invest talk. I'm Justin Klein. We posted a new talk Rapfire hour bonus podcast where Steve and I have recorded our answers to 34 voice bank questions. We respond to caller voicemail questions at a fast pace. You still get your our unbiased comments, but we keep things moving quickly. So tell your friends that they can download it right now at InvestTalk.com or on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. to search Invest Talk. And now I'm here, ready to take your calls live at eight 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 ninety nine Chart.
2: It's an Invest Talk Tuesday. Justin Klein is here today taking your calls live. How's your portfolio doing? Are you prepared for continuing market volatility? You've got questions, so call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART.
1: Let's go to Josh in Atlanta. He is a new investor, and he has some questions.
0: Hi,
2: yeah. Uh, as a 20-year-old relatively new to the world of investing, I was wondering if you had some uh, suggestions and advice on how I should divvy up my portfolio because I somewhat understand the long-term investment of index funds, but I'm also aware of the idea of me being able to take some risk because of my age.
1: Well, you certainly should uh, take some risk. Uh, My advice would be to, at this point, learn more, do your best to, to learn more about markets, asset classes, correlations between asset classes the risks of each asset class the opportunities in each asset class right uh get get associated with the market not just by the headlines or watching cnbc but uh, we have a great book section on our site so there's a lot of good reading there uh, as well so there's a lot that you 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 need to absorb know that's what i was doing at your age Uh, I was in this for, you know, since I was about 16, so I I was four years in, I I had a good amount of knowledge, but still was not to a point where uh, I was managing portfolios or anything like that. So, you need to focus on learning more than anything. I personally like investing in individual securities myself. I I think you learn more uh, about sectors, about companies, uh, about risks than you do just indexing and I think there's an indexing bubble to a large degree so uh, I encourage you to buy individual screens but only with a very small portion of your portfolio don't think that because oh you have X amount of dollars you need, you need to invest at all right because you can learn the same lessons with less money you're going to learn a lot of hard lessons and there's a lot of people that learned a lot of hard lessons over the past week right with tech stocks re- really uh, reversing and a lot of them uh, probably have risked uh, tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's a very expensive lesson to learn. You can learn those same lessons with a few hundred dollars now because trading is free. So I encourage you to use a small portion of your money, focus on learning as much as possible, learning how to save consistently as well, right? Because I know we talk about investing on this show a lot. That's our main focus. It's called Invest Talk. But the key to financial success over the long term is actually continuing, continually saving on a consistent basis. And if you can't do that, then all the investing lessons in the world and great investments that you have don't mean anything unless you're saving consistently. So don't feel like you need to learn it all at once. Just like anything. Just take it one bite at a time and try to focus on learning more than investing at this time. Now, my focus point today concerns the story, how running from cities to suburbs could affect your finances. There are five factors that you need to consider when calculating the cost of a particular move. I'm going to walk through that. Also, if we have time, I'm going to go over the jobs report and What positives and negatives can be pulled from the jobs report on Friday? And then muni bonds. Muni bonds, uh, investors should look maybe beyond their own states that they live in. And we're going to discuss that in more detail. And then lastly, I have some more macro topics to discuss as well. Meheren, invest InvestTalk and at my company, KPP Financial, we operate with the philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. Our job each day is to provide you with unbiased guidance and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. And I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve for a, pre- a free portfolio review assessment. We can do it via Skype, telephone, Jive meetings, etc. Just send us a message through investtalk.com or you can call our KPP Financial Office in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. Now let's dig in a little bit into our main focus point today, and that is in regards to moving from big cities into the suburbs. And if you look at Redfin statistics, there's been a massive jump in the demand for Suburban and, suburban and rural housing. Now, since the pandemic, home prices are up 11.3% overall in rural areas, 9.2% in the suburbs, but only up 67 in urban areas. So clearly the lower interest rates are helping suburbs and rural areas a lot more than the urban areas. And that's because people don't care about commute times as much as they used to. Right. They need more space because they're working from home. So there's been pent-up demand, you know, a lot of shutdown of uh, the, the entire economy, including home buying and selling uh, in the in the spring. And so there's been some pent-up demand and obviously lower interest rates as well. So all those are factoring into more people looking at the suburbs and just moving in general. And after the break, I'm going to touch on five factors to consider or five costs that go beyond just the price you pay for a home or your, your your overall mortgage to consider as well. Now you're listening to Invest Talk, I'm Justin Klein. Summer is basically over, but as serious investors, we try our best to manage our fear and greed and help you do so. Because that practice can make you a better investor. Now I'm ready to take your calls at 8899 99 chart.
2: This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888 99Chart. And
1: before the break, I. Started to discuss the additional costs that come with a potential move or the potential additional costs that you have to consider. Right? It's not just about moving to a place with more space or uh, that, uh, you know, to lock in a low interest rate or whatever. There are other factors to consider. One are property taxes. Now, property taxes account for more than 30% of all tax revenue from that state and local governments collect as of 2017. Now in suburban areas, they tend to be a little bit lower as a percentage than those uh, in downtown areas. But that doesn't mean that the overall taxes you're going to pay is going to be actually lower, right? Cause you could pay more because the bigger house. So the other factors to consider also depends on the state, right? You could move, into a low property tax state. That's one thing I don't think many Californians really understand. Everyone looks at the price of homes here in California and they go, oh, well, they're very high. Well, that's true, but one of the big reasons that they're so high is because we only pay 1% property tax. A lot of other states, you're talking 2 3% or higher. And so while you could have a house... A third the cost, say in Texas, if the property tax is 3% versus 1%, the property taxes are going to be the same. Okay, so property taxes are a big thing to consider is what is that difference? Number two, higher utility bills with more space to work and to play and just in general you're going to need to heat and cool more space. And if you're working from home, you're going to have computers, appliances, other electronics working more each and each day. Now, the typical New York City customer paid about $94 in the month of July. Westchester County customers paid $113. Now, that's not a giant difference, but it can be very Substantial, depending on where you're moving. And that's only, you're talking about electric. You're talking about, you're about water, gas, garbage removal, etc. Sometimes, maybe for a renter, all those things are packaged in. So, that's a big consideration. Number three, maintenance and upkeep. A bigger home means more things could break. And once again, if you were a renter, say in a big city, and you go to buy in suburbia, well, that's just the nature of being a homeowner. Now, typically, you should budget about one to upwards of 4% of the value of the home for maintenance costs each year. Now, that's going to depend on the life of the home, right? A new home is going to be probably around that 1% level. An older home, maybe, you know, 70 plus years old, you're going to have more issues. So it definitely depends on where you're at, but you should always consider some allowance for potential maintenance and upkeep. Next, commuting, right? Will you need to buy a second car? I know you don't commute quite as much, but what about just simply going to the grocery store? Maybe in a, a, a dense urban area, you could walk to the grocery store. Maybe not so much in a suburban area. And then lastly, furniture. The more, the more rooms you have, the more furniture you're going to need. And furniture can get awfully expensive. And many people tend to splurge, right? They're moving a new home. They just feel like they need to buy everything, fill it all up may not have the money to do so. So that's something to consider as well. Now let's go to Steve in Palo Alto looking at Alibaba. Hey, Steve. Uh, just wanted to start off
0: by uh,
2: saying that I love the show, listening to you and Steve. Um, so my question is about uh, Alibaba. Um, mm-hmm. It's I guess it's recently uh, seen a 10% pullback from its uh, highs. And um, I just wanted to know, uh, if now is a good time to buy that stock or maybe I shouldn't, uh, uh, invest in that stock, uh, individually. Maybe it's better just to get some de- uh, diversification through an ETF or, uh, just wanting your thoughts on that.
1: Uh, we're not a fan of Alibaba. I think there's uh, a lot of issues around China and uh, potential regulation uh, and, and listing and, and having stricter regulations on their, uh, their accounting, which uh, oftentimes is dubious. And so uh, not a fan uh, of Alibaba. You know, we, we're, we're bigger fans of the value side of the market. And you started to see that, uh, increase today where, uh, growth started to underperform and, and really roll over in a dramatic way over the past, uh, four trading days, uh, in relation to value. So, you know, the sexier names I think are in, in, in for some, uh, some pain in the, in the near term, uh, especially because we don't have stimulus out of Washington. I've said this before. You need, congress you need the fiscal authorities to spend to in order to create liquidity in this market and those growth stocks are very very reliant on increasing liquidity and until that until that changes i think growth stocks are in trouble overall so i would just uh i would haul off be patient on and and build a watch list because you will find a great opportunity in the next uh, 12 to 18 months I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. Hacker One seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with Hacker One's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H A C K E R O N E dot com, HackerOne.com. hackerone.com you are listening to invest talk
2: we've seen the markets go up then down sideways and around it's called volatility and if you're a serious investor you'll have finance and investment questions for justin klein he's here now taking your calls live invest talk
1: 888-99-CHART let's go to justin in stockton and let's talk about the nasdaq
2: Hi Justin, thanks for taking my call.
0: I just wanted to ask your opinion about what you think is going to go down this week uh, with the NASDAQ just because closed just right above, right under its
2: 50 day moving average. Um, Volume looks like it's about, you know, about the same as it has been for the last few weeks. And um, I know that you can't make, uh, make a big thing out of one day or two days, but what would need to happen to confirm reversal or to resume its uptrend just because um, trying to see if this would be an opportunity to get in long on the queues or if it's a shorting opportunity. So thank you for taking my call.
1: Yeah, no problem. Uh, I do think if you get a confirmation below this 50-day moving average, meaning another close uh, on the on the daily chart below today's low, uh, I think that would be uh, a one confirmation, as well as another close on the week below last week's low which would be obviously friday's low and so those would be my two two signals uh, that i would be looking for for a confirmation this is this is a major reversal uh in the nasdaq and uh, on the surface it definitely looks like it is uh because of the drastic volume that you're seeing uh, in the market on a lot of these uh, these tech names uh and usually when you see a high volume reversal from a high which is what we just had that means it wants to go lower uh, and I think that's uh, likely the case here. You know, we're heading into election season where there's going to be a lot of volatility with headlines. And uh, we don't have a stimulus, which I, I think is a big, big factor here. Uh, you're seeing a strengthening dollar, which means uh, dollar liquidity is getting getting weaker. Uh, and these tech names, the NASDAQ, is very, very reliant on that liquidity. And if we're not getting it, then those are the names that are going to get hurt the worst and so uh, i like that what you're thinking about uh there could absolutely be a reversal from here we might be hitting this 50 day might find a reversal overnight might gap up tomorrow it's certainly possible i'm not saying it's uh it's guaranteed one way or the other uh but i like that you're open to both possibilities which is a, a very important trait to have is being open to either possibility thanks for the call justin 8899 chart 8992427. Let's touch on the payroll jobs report on Friday and it showed that the unemployment rate fell to 8.4% from 10.2%, which uh, on the surface is a, a pretty pretty solid number. But if you look underneath the surface, however, there are a couple things driving the, the decent jobs gains. One was census hiring. They hired about 240,000 people. The private sector added about a little over a million, which is pretty solid. But the job gains are certainly slowing. Now, in March and April combined, you had about a 22, a little over 22 million jobs lost in that time frame, and certainly a lot of those have started to come back over the past four months, right? May, June, July, and August. And the best month was certainly June, again at 4.8 million. But if you look total between those four months, you have a little over 10 million jobs returning of that 22 million. Means about 12 million are still without jobs. And the pace of growth is decelerating, right? We had the peak of 4.8 million in the month of June. 1.7 1.7 million in the month of July, and now 1.4 million in the month of August. Now, this clearly shows that the momentum is slowing, and without Congress acting, I think you're going to continue to see that. There are certainly more permanent job losses. That's one of the, the issues. And federal stimulus programs are starting to lapse. So, it's not clear that labor markets are going to continue to improve at the same pace. And really, it's not, right? It's it's decelerating. So, the unemployment rate, if you look at it, that dropped substantially. But that's because the household measure of employment showed a gain of 3.7 million jobs, And that came despite an increase in the labor force of nearly one million. So the the labor the household survey measured three point seven million new jobs, which was an extrapolation. In reality, we had closer to one point four million. So that was one of the big reasons why the unemployment rate dropped more than expected. Because you know that's one of the issues with uh, these these job numbers is we haven't seen a situation like that where we're adding and subtracting millions of jobs each month and. There's seasonal adjustments, which are a multiplication factor. And so slight changes in uh, numbers, when you multiply them using seasonality, it can mean big distortions in the actual data. So the jobs number right now is very, very hard to, to really pin down to what's exactly happening in the job market because of those seasonality factors. Now, let's keep things moving. Here comes another caller question from eight 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 ninety nine Shark.
2: Hey, good afternoon. This is Carl from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm looking at a ticker symbol, HOFB, the Hall of Fame Resort. I have uh, approximately 25 shares I bought a while back, and I was wondering if I should hang on to it or sell. I'd like to listen to your show. Appreciate your
0: time. Thank you.
1: All right, this is interesting. I've never heard of this company, but this is Hall of Fame Resort and Entertainment Company. operates as a holding company. It's a it's a sports entertainment and media company. Revenue is very very small. You're talking. I'm not seeing anything here. Total assets thirty. So it's a holding company. Uh, You know, this is a penny stock. It's in a downtrend. I would not be holding this name. this uh, there's not enough information on it. I don't need to see any revenue here any any particular data. Uh, it sounds like they're just a holding company for maybe the Hall of Fame name. I'm not sure I don't know enough about it. Uh, so I would absolutely be out. HOfv is the symbol. 8899 chart eight eight nine let's get to another caller question that came in earlier.
2: Hey, Justin and Steve, um, this is uh, Roberta from Washington, D.C. I was calling about Best Buy stock. I wanted to see what you guys thought of it, especially now with COVID and how it's kind of done really well recently. As of today, it's in the 110 range. So I wanted to see if you guys think it's a good buy back to school. So I think that a lot of people would be buying technology products and so forth, and I think their e-commerce... The website, their online sales have really gotten better. So I wanted to see if you guys think it's too high right now and if it will eventually come down or if it, it's going to keep on going up. So I will be happy to hear from you guys on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much. Have a great day, please.
1: I was looking at Best Buy. I don't think I need to tell everybody what Best Buy does. But uh, one thing I will say about Best Buy overall is that they have pretty good management. Uh, I, I, I think their pivots to, I don't know if you know this, but in What Best Buy pivoted to a while ago, many years ago, was to rent parts of their store, basically sublease segments of their store to other companies. That's why you have like the Magnolia TV area and you have a little space for, for Apple kiosk and, and other, uh, companies. And they're basically renting that space out and they're, they, they have the traffic, right? They have the foot traffic. And so I think that was a great pivot to, uh, switch up their business model a little bit and and focus on specific products that are very high margin and the rest or the they can run out, right? Um, so I think the management there is very good. I know they pivoted to, uh, online, p- uh, pickup where you can order online and, and pick up, uh, rapidly. Uh, you know, I have friends that sell in that have products that sell and Best Buy. So I, I know a little bit, uh, on that front. So I like that you're looking at Best Buy. It's certainly on my watch list. Uh, our value is more in the seventies, however, where it's at 105 right now. Uh, I think in, in, Around 70, 75, it's 75, it's a solid buy, especially after the way they've pivoted during this crisis and, and really uh, juiced up their, their, their profits, their, their cash flow, and their margins. Definitely impressive on my front. And they've been buying back shares, uh, and they have a solid balance sheet. So I like, I like that you have this on your radar. Uh, it's, it is a little expensive for my taste. But I, I think it's something that will uh, be uh, a solid performer over the long term, mainly because of the management. I really like management for Best Buy. I think they're doing a bang-up job. So you're listening to Invest Talk, I'm Justin Klein. And one thing I know for sure is that your retirement objectives cannot be controlled by a pandemic or a tough economy. You need to take steps now to optimize your portfolio. So I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial office in Irvine, California. We want to help you. Maybe you're a conservative investor looking for income. You're edging closer to retirement or in retirement. And, you know, you have CDs that are coming due. You know, you can only get 1% on your money market. Whatever it is, you know, you're looking for more income. We have those clients all the time trying to juice a little bit more out of their savings. Also, younger Investors that are aggressive, looking for uh, opportunities to maybe play the upside of higher inflation. So, to get started with a no-cost portfolio review, you can send a message through t- through InvestTalk.com to myself or Steve directly. And now I'm here. I'm ready to provide unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. We're taking your calls live at 99 chart. This is
2: Invest Talk. Good news, Steve and Justin have recorded another Rapid Fire Hour podcast. They take caller questions at a faster pace, but you still get their unbiased answers. In this special bonus show podcast, you'll hear responses to 34 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. So tell your friends... Search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or investtalk.com for the free August Rapid Fire Hour. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial.
0: Steve, Justin, hello. My name is Zach. I'm invested in a UPS Share, and I averaged in at
1: 108. It's currently increased to about 8% of my portfolio. Having trouble balancing my greed and fear. Uh, wondering if i should cut it back to maybe four or five percent of my portfolio and allocate that money elsewhere thanks for your time i appreciate it you guys have a good day bye All right. He's looking at United Parcel Services. And I would say absolutely yes. 8% is too much uh, for one particular position in portfolio. And so cutting that back to 4% is kind of in our wheelhouse for the way we manage uh, our our client uh, assets. So uh, I like that. I do think UPS is overvalued here at about 156. Our fair value is closer to $110, $115 a share. So... Roughly thirty percent overvalued at these levels, and you're starting to see a rollover. just closed uh, today for the second time in three days below its twenty one day, yeah, twenty day moving average. And so I think it's probably headed to that fifty, right around one forty. So I think it's a good time to be reducing your position in EPS because I do think it's a little overvalued. Eighty eight ninety nine chart. 889924278 we have 10 minutes left in the show so if you're going to call you want to do it right now let's touch on munis i think this is an area that uh, a-, a lot of investors are looking for higher yields and most investors don't like paying taxes and so they think that they are gaming the system or getting some great return because they're not being taxed on the yield they're getting in the the muni space. And the answer to that question I always ask, or, or the question that I always pose when I'm talking to people that are thinking about the muni space is, what is your tax bracket? Right? Because at the end of the day, it's about your tax adjusted yield. And for the most part, if you aren't in the highest tax bracket, it usually doesn't make sense for you. Now, one way to show that in real numbers is looking at total returns on muni funds from different states. Now, the best performing over the last 10 years are Colorado, Missouri, and Florida, roughly about 4% on average per year. The lowest yielding are Maryland, Virginia, Michigan, and Connecticut. About three, three and a quarter on average. Now, that doesn't sound like a big difference, but in reality, over that 10 years, $10,000, or sorry, the total return from, what was it Maryland? What's the the least one? That's uh, Maryland, yep, is 35%. And the highest, Colorado, is 49%. So it's a big difference over 10 years, especially if you're looking at low interest, low-yielding securities. Now, why is that? Well, I think it's fairly easy to understand why. Well, if you look at Colorado, Missouri, Florida, no state income tax. And so there, those investors, those wealthy people are not looking for tax-free yield for the most part because they don't have a lot of state income tax. Whereas, Maryland, Virginia, Connecticut, there's a lot of wealthy people and they have high income tax rates in those states. And so they're pushing down the yield to very low levels and they're consuming all those munis. So sometimes it actually makes sense, even if you don't live in a state to go invest in places like Colorado, Missouri, because those yields are a little higher, even if you're not getting the full tax exemption on the state level. Now on the next Invest Talk, this analyst's opinion: Why the Fed's new inflation policy could backfire. New- that story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 99 chart.
2: You are listening to Invest Talk every Friday on the program and the podcast. Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. My name is Vaughn from Cincinnati. I have a question on an ETF, Bravo Lima Charlie November, that's B-L-C-N. It's an ETF that follows an index that uh, invests heavily in blockchain technology and innovating in that space. It said it's 52 week high. I'm looking to buy in and hold it for the long term. I'm 30 years old. So I just want to get your thoughts on it and possibly a good time to buy into the, or a good price to buy in. Thank you.
1: All right, looking at BLCN, and this is the NASDAQ, the reality shares, realty shares, excuse me. Yeah, no, reality, there you go. Reality shares, NASDAQ next gen economy ETF. BLCN is the symbol. And Its top holding is overstock of 11% of the portfolio, and that skyrocketed and is now coming back down, uh, what, 30%. Let's see what the – it's overstock. Its high was $127. Now we're at 63. Yeah, so it's uh, down about 50% in the past uh, three weeks, and BLCN is hurting because of it. Uh, Square is second, DocuSign, uh, there's a bunch of other tech names, Nvidia, JD.com, Facebook, Microsoft, Nasdaq, uh, so. It's fairly well diversified, but you're you're investing in the growth side of the market and very heavily weighted towards overstock. So I think there's a lot more downside to go uh, for just the space in general right now. This is trading at thirty three dollars a share. I would not be shocked to see this trading in the mid to low twenties in the near future. And so if you're looking for you know broader exposure to the blockchain space, I would just be buying. Uh, I'll be waiting for that. You know, personally, I rather own, you know, I like that there's some names in this that I that I like, um, but if I, depending on how much crypto or uh, Bitcoin I would have, I would rather allocate it there, to be honest with you, um, but it's really up to you. But I think this has a lot more downside to go before I would get excited about picking it up. Here comes another caller question. And now if you've been listening for a while, you already know what I think about this next stock, but we get new listeners every day. So let's run this again. Hi, Jen. Bob and Indy. So the elephant in the room is Tesla. What the heck? I've never been an investor in it, and I'm all but certain you guys
2: aren't, but how do we mortal investors rationalize the rise of this crazy stock with its P.E.
0: of 1,000? Is there anything that would get you guys to consider a long position down the road?
1: Cheers, and thanks for all you do. Uh, Yeah, there's always something that could turn us into believers. One is... Stopping financial shenanigans in order to manipulate gap profit in order to try to get the S&P to add you to the index. That's number one. Uh, number two is, you know, I don't know if SoftBank is in on it, but I, I showed this uh, article from the Financial Times on Friday on a YouTube video on how SoftBank has been the one driving up these, uh, these tech names through uh, out of the money call options, huge gambles on these names. Uh, who knows how much they've they've lost, or, or maybe they got lucky and got out in time uh, at the expense of re- the retail investors. But Tesla is one of those names, and clearly Tesla has gone from five hundred down to three thirty in the span of five days. Uh, a lot of new B investors are caught with their pants down, and I think there's much more pain to come. Why? Because all those investors are sitting on losses and uh, eventually they'll, they're will they not strong holders of the stock. They're weak holders of the stock for the most part. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think the valuations were, are still absolutely insane, even at $330 a show, Sorry, I'm not going to say 330 because it's just pointless to talk about that because of the stock split. Uh, it's really talking about the market gap, which is still $309 billion, $400 billion. Uh, last week so uh, I I think there's absolutely something that could could make me a believer and that is actually producing cars for a profit which still really hasn't done for uh, any length of time so um, you know it's, it's it's a market that's very irrational this is 1999 all over again uh, did we just hit March 2000 maybe we'll see only know in hindsight I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return on Thursday. Steve Peasley will be here tomorrow, but please remember to tell your friends and family members that they can choose from over a hundred archived Invest Talk podcasts for free over at InvestTalk.com or on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night